This is Space Waffles, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome to Space Waffles. I am your host, Arzu, and with me is fellow waffle and High Republic enthusiast, Hope. Hi! So we are here today to talk about Masters and Padawans. So Hope and I are very enthusiastic about the Jedi of the High Republic. Um, about... <laughs> I think the better word is thirsty. We Yes, we are... Very we are 30 seconds into this podcast. <laughs> and immediately, I honestly, I expected no less. This tends to go this way very quickly where we're concerned. Hey, RC said I wasn't allowed to curse. So I, she did say I could be thirsty. So here we are. Here we are being thirsty 30 <laughs> seconds in. So, so, oh my God, tell me about Stellan's hair. Stellan Gios is a beautiful man. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Everyone clicks off now. Goodbye. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't go in. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. So, okay. So we are talking Masters and Padawans and the various dynamics and sort of how how wide a range of dynamics we see in the High Republic because for the first time really ever in current canon we have like more than two masters and padawans at any given time occupying a leading role so it's easier to sort of see these wider trends or divergences or things like that so yeah so to kick things off we are loosely going to define a padawan as i'm sure anybody listening knows but the official definition is that the padawan is the apprentice of a jedi knight or a jedi master and for the record if even if they are a knight they are still called master in that context. Which yeah, is how, that mistake which is how Anakin Skywalker does not have a seat on the council, but is still master Skywalker. So that's how that works. But before we dive into the higher public, I think it would be a good idea if we start with sort of our on-screen masters and Padawans, like sort of to kind of give a bit of a baseline and then, then we can dive in and really go for the higher public. Yeah. So first thing that comes to mind when we think of on-screen masters and padawans is Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and then Obi-Wan and Anakin. Yeah, my first, because Clone Wars was my entryway into the fandom, like I always go to An- Anakin and Ahsoka first. Okay. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. Because it, it was, when I when I pitched this to Arzu, I was like, yeah, like the master and padawans of High Republic seem really strange because like you have Loden and Bell who are the classic, like very classic master padawan dynamic and then everyone else seems kind of odd. And then I was like, but are they odd though? Because really the original trilogy doesn't have masters and padawans. We really didn't get this until the prequel era when we first got Phantom Menace. And what is normal though, really for for a student teacher dynamic? So... Yeah, yeah. I like, mean, because we we had Qui Gon and Obi Wan, and Qui Gon is known to be the weird Jedi that everyone's like, "Oh, you're kind of strange, man." Um, yeah. And then Obi Wan acquired Anakin through Qui Gon's death, and then Anakin is the man child who has Ahsoka, the feral lesbian. So I mean, like, they're not very. She is a feral lesbian. Um, that's my favorite description of Ahsoka Tano. <laughs> Don't take it from me. Um, I'm not here to do that. So I yeah. So we don't really i feel like clone wars was the first time we got to see a lot of different kinds of masters and padawans like you have anakin and ahsoka working with luminara and barris who are a very different kind of dynamic where luminara is like oh if my padawan dies that's fine and anakin's like whoa i am not ready to lose my kid i don't know where they were going with luminara but her whole crashing something into the side of the building killing 
Trace and Rafa's parents and being like, may the force be with you. Bye. Yeah. Luminar is like a little strange and I, I don't know what to think of her anymore. But we, we kind of get that like across the board. And the, the way I started kind of breaking this down in my head compared to the High Republic was not really the master and Padawan dynamics, but looking at the council as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, because when... When I think of the High Republic versus what we've seen on screen, I actually automatically go to Kanan and Ezra because I feel like Kanan and Ezra are the closest to the new kind of Jedi that we've seen since the Disney buyout. Um, Because really it's Kanan that sticks out to me that laid a lot of the groundwork for me personally, for like characters like Rey and now for the High Republic Jedi. And what I mean by that is when Kanan... Was when when Order sixty six happened, Kanan was still a kid. He'd maybe been with Depa for a year, maybe. So he had the basic groundworks of a Jedi, but he wasn't there long enough to have like the dogmatic rigidity of the prequel Jedi Council put into him. So when Order sixty six happened, all he had was the Force. He didn't have anything else to trust. He just had to trust the Force with the very basics of what a Jedi is. And he then gave that to Ezra. Because we really don't see Ezra at any time have any of the ancient Jedi texts except for Kanan's one holocron where he sees like one Skype call of Anakin teaching a lesson. And we start seeing that more. Luke kind of goes through that too. Like, of course, he finds Jedi texts over time, but there was a while where Luke just had the Force to trust and nothing else, and even with Rey. Rey didn't ha- really have a master other than Leia, but so much of Rey's training was just the Force and trusting mm-hmm. the Force and being with the Force, and that, to me, is the difference between these like new Jedi that we see on screen and the High Republic versus the rigidity of the prequel Jedi Council, which is very closed off, very dynamic. And we can see just the difference of something as simple as like Anakin and Elzar, who are very similar characters. And one of the most heartbreaking scenes to me in season seven of Clone Wars is Obi-Wan pretty much telling Anakin, hey, I know about Padme. And Anakin doesn't trust his master or the council enough to share that. Anakin is so far gone by then. Like that's not just, I mean, okay. So I need to back it up for a second because I feel like part of, where Luke goes wrong, because you did mention him getting those texts eventually. Mm-hmm. Part of where Luke goes wrong is this attempt to recreate the original the way sins of- to be done, and that immediately goes wrong because you know the whole concealed goes- don't feel, and then he goes back goes to the wrong. original sins of the previous order. Exactly, but for me, like, and I think this really does reveal where our interests lie. Is that when I think of like High Republic Jedi, I think of Qui Gon and Obi Wan. Not even Obi Wan and Anakin, really. Although the Anakin Elzar par- parallel is definitely something I want to touch on. But because for me, like because like you said, Qui Gon is the weird one, and he's sort of an outlier from the Council. He doesn't want to be on the Council, so he doesn't operate within that that rigid sort of structure. And as a result, Obi Wan's training doesn't really happen under that rigid structure. So. That's why they're the most like akin to that because they do still have that sort of community to fall back on and that sort of team of oh. other Jedi to like like they you know they all grew up in the temple they all grew up with friends so they they sort of have the same background as the High Republic Jedi just mm-hmm. presumably a lot of the strictness comes from whatever we're gonna see Wave Three and beyond 
Yeah, and we, we even see Obi-Wan fall back on a lot of the crazy strictness of the council when he becomes a council member. I mean, heck, he turns his back on Ahsoka, somebody he knows very personally, is clearly uncomfortable with her getting kicked out of the order, but doesn't speak up or say anything. No, um, he gets stuck in this, in, in, he becomes a part of the system. Yeah, I mean, that's his grand Padawan. Like, they have whole, like, missions together. But, like, that's, that, that in communication, I feel like, are the two differences. Because Anakin doesn't trust Obi-Wan to tell him anything because no. he's so much in the system. But the moment Elzar touches the dark side, he goes immediately to Stellan. He's just like, dude, I need help. I need help. And that, to me, is the difference. Is yep. that the prequel Jedi in the is just stuck in these dogmatic, strict rules and lack of communication, where the newer Jedi, with the groundwork laid by, like, characters like Kanan and Ezra, and then, like, later on, Rey and stuff like that, I think if they didn't come first, we probably wouldn't have the Masters and Padawans of the High Republic having so much freedom, because I feel like the Masters and Padawans of this era, both, like, prior to Light of the Jedi, they're clearly in tune with doing the Force in their own way. Like, Avar is just, like, you know, in, is in tune with the music, and Elzar is allowed to try different kinds of techniques in the Force. It keeps him from being a master right away, but, like, no one's gonna stop him, because they can, and everybody has their own different way, like, Vanestra can make her own lightsaber as a whip if she wants to, because they have so much freedom and communication, because they're more in tune with the Force versus the prequel Jedi, which is where the rigidity comes in. I think that's the that's the big tragedy for me of the High Republic is knowing like that that is inevitably where this is going to go and this isn't going to last and that freedom that they enjoy to sort of experience the force in the way that they do and engage with it in a way that makes sense for them is eventually going to stop. And I understand the nature of Star Wars storytelling is nothing is ever told in order. So it could just be that we never hear about anybody communing with the force in this way because it hadn't come up yet. Mm -hmm. But Taking it for what it is, presuming like it's a history text and it's all being told in order, if nobody in our current day and age perceives the Force this way, although I would like to think that eventually Rey does because she is free of that. So she's free to perceive the Force in a way that makes sense to her. Like they they broke the Force. They broke their connection, their fundamental as Jedi connection to it so that they can't perceive it this way anymore. Mm-hmm. In, in a unique way and they they almost they dog dogmatized is that a word yeah i mean there's there's some point i can't remember if it's in the movies or in the clone wars but at some point yoda even says like i have difficulty following the force oh it's like, attack of the clones okay yeah yeah so yeah him and mace windu going our ability to perceive the force is diminished mm-hmm. which they, is a huge problem <laughs> really big problem when palpatine is uh Sneaking around. Lurking around like, hey guys, I'm Palpatine. Come join my Eve. Thanks for coming to Space Wolf, everybody. You're being in Palpatine voice. So, okay. So, with that sort of groundwork in place, let's move into the greatest era of written storytelling, the High Republic. Should should I should I start like why I brought this to you? <laughs> sure. So the reason I, I pitched this to Arzu in the first place was because I was on Knights of Ren, W-R-E-N, and I was talking with Ali Andrews, and we were talking about Crash Point Tower. But because we should also say right now we're going to be talking spoilers 
through oh, all the books. Goodness, yes. I'm going to put this in the show notes too, but like spoilers out, right we're now. talking about it. Comics, books, I am, audio I'm well, no, you haven't. Audio drama is not relevant. Comics, books, we're talking That's about That's why I kept putting in the notes. I haven't listened to Tempest Runner yet, no, so I'm going to need your... No, Tempest Runner is not relevant, so we're not even talking about Tempest Runner. But... Well, no, that's fine. I mean, if you want to talk about Tempest Runner, you're not going to hurt my feelings, but... Um, but yeah, so we are going to be talking, like, Rising Storm. So, like, I was on Knights of Ren with Allie Andrews, and because Allie and I love Loden, we opened up the first hour having Loden Great Storm Memorial and just talking about Loden's importance in the story. So we were talking a lot about him and his dynamic with Belle and, like, why they were important in their story. But when we started talking, getting into Crash Point Tower, um, I love Cantum Psy, but as I was talking about them, I started, like realizing some like weird things about their story and like how they've never had a solo adventure with Lula and Ali didn't even realize right away that Sai was Lula's master <laughs> and she was the third person I've had to tell that to that Sai is Lula's master and, and it got me just to thinking about kind of the dynamics and you have this very classic master padawan dynamic of Loden and Bell. But as I started thinking through like others like Emery and uh, Emery, like Emery and Vernestra, or like Vernestra and Stellan, or even like Wreath and Comac, or even Ram, who doesn't even have a master, but he's a Padawan. Like it, it just it started like being very weird in my head. So I was like, I wanted to kind of talk with you and break this down because is it strange or is this normal Star Wars being Star Wars? To the I, original okay. trilogy, it's kind of normal because Luke's only with Ben for like only 12 one. hours. <laughs> um, I have a theory that kind of goes out of Star Wars. I have to rely on a different series for this. But, Hit me. Um, I don't know, Hope, if you are familiar with Tamara Pierce and her books. but maybe... I am not to enlighten me. For, or for okay. any other listeners who For anybody who doesn't know Tamara Pierce... Um, she has two universes, but the one I'm going to talk about is her Tortal books. So it's about this sort of vaguely medieval kingdom environment, knighthood, horses, whatever. Um, and the third series of books follows this girl, Kel, who is the first woman in the kingdom to legally try for her knighthood. Because before her, there was one other woman who did it, disguised as a man, got her shield, and then went, ha-ha, I'm a woman. And they were like, what? Anyway, not really. I just imagine so, the Eowyn ripping her mask off, like, was, I am no man! The vibe, it was very similar. But she is the first woman to legally try for knighthood. So by the time she gets to this point, we see that, like, the way knighthood school happens is a lot more rigid and a lot more, like, conventional high school than it was when that first woman tried it. And... When you graduate from a page to a squire, if you're not immediately assigned to a knight to be their squire, you're in the palace service and you just kind of serve any knight who is there. And that's what, to bring it back to Star Wars, that's what the Padawans of the High Republic remind me of is it's like they are not younglings anymore. They have graduated from being a youngling and they are just Padawans. They are available. If there is a Jedi Knight who wants a Padawan to train one-on-one, -on -one, they pick one. If not, they are either generally in temple service, like like Ram is at his temple, or this is what where I thought Sai and Lula's dynamic was, was I thought that they just have several Padawans working with them rather than a one-on-one -on -one thing. That was my assumption. That's why, like, that's why he's never like that's why there has never been a one-on-one -on -one adventure with Sai and Lula, is because Sai has more than one Padawan. Oh, oh, that was my thinking. 
The High Republic Adventures is a crazy mess of itself. <laughs> yeah, well, that, um, was, that was like I've like I've read the High Republic Adventure comics, and I just sort of assumed that like you know there was a whole cluster, and some of them went off with this knight, and some of them went off with Sai, and then it just wound up being Lula and Zine. Zine, yeah, and Zine. So I have, I have my thoughts about this. So what I did was I I, I first wrote down like the whole definition of a Padawan, which is a Padawan with an apprentice paired it specifically says paired with a jedi knight or master um and then i just wrote out all the padawans and masters i could think of that we know of um and my thoughts on them so how best do you want to do this is just like go straight through it how do you want to do this well let's start with um let's start with Sai and lula because we're already on there okay so i want to actually talk about the high republic adventures as a whole all right because I want to I want to preface all this by saying that the High Republic Adventures comics is probably one of my favorite ongoing stories. I love it. It's serotonin. It, I love it so much. It's it's just my favorite. But there's definitely some weird things about it that stick out in my mind. And it it took my third reading for me to start kind of noticing the things that are have been there the whole time, but seem to be confusing everyone. Um, like I said, I've told three people if you don't have to explain things to people yeah and i think for me the issue laid between two things one the series starts with all of them with buck and yoda they're not even with their masters and i think from the get-go that's confusing and for me personally the artwork makes them look very young I thought they were all younglings to the point when I got Crash Point Tower, I didn't recognize Lula in the artwork because she looked so much older than her comic counterpart. I thought she was a completely different character and I didn't recognize Zine either right away because they just didn't look the same. And of course now the artwork has caught up to that and they all look the same now. And I I don't know what to make of this mess because like for Zala, doesn't even isn't even with his master until what like issue six or seven and he now Farzala does specifically say and I looked this up and this was in issue number four where Farzala specifically says that they were on an academic trip to starlight so they were on they started off as uh, an academic trip pretty much which is why they weren't with their masters but now they're still not with their masters. Like, Farzala had two issues with his master, and now he's back with the group off at Takodana. Like, where is his master? Why is he still not with him? And, like, those things are not clear, which I think is where a lot of, like, does Quark even have a master? Like, maybe, now we are recording this where they're going through Quark's arc. We're in, right in the middle of Quark's yeah. arc, so we might find that out. So I just want to be fully think, transparent um, with by that. By the time this comes out, uh, it's I, it's going to be the day before the next so the next issue of higher public adventures is out tomorrow so mm-hmm. we could be we could get we could, our answers tomorrow yeah we could we could so just for full transparency we're in the middle of that arc but it's just i i take issue with the fact that Sai and lula have yet to have a solo adventure with each other and as i was reading through crash point something stuck out to me where and this was on page 25 and 26 Vinestra turns to master Sai and nodded respectfully we were hoping you and your Padawans, plural, could investigate for us, Master Sai. And then she, and then on page 26, it says, Master Sai said, with perhaps an edge of pride in their voice, my Padawans, plural, have already faced them down several times. Isn't it against the rules to have multiple Padawans? 
I don't think so in the High Republic, but that's because of my reckoning. Like, if if there is a pa like to me, Padawan is an age group. I know the definition is Padawan is somebody paired with a master, but I don't even think pairing necessarily in this context is one on one. It's just a a student who is available for one on one training. But I feel like there are just because this is a golden age of Jedi, and they're probably just scooping up all these kids to come train. Like they probably have more students than they have masters buck literally has cookies <laughs> look literally come, to, come jedi, to us jedi we have, we have cookies literally so, we're gonna have a comic issue in january about cakes oh i'm so God, excited I'm so excited i'm so the excited for the bake off. bake off or whatever it's called i cannot wait i hope comac tries size cookies and i mean that with multiple entendres but okay. I, I think that's where a lot of my confusion lays because the way i see it is that because zane cannot train to be a fully trained jedi um that she is technically also sized padawan because she's not a real padawan that's how i'm taking it she's off an off the books padawan yeah like she's like the under the table padawan. <laughs> just slide her under the table it's fine inside like all right i'll take this well, child I mean thanks that also does bring up the interesting point that some of this dogma of the Jedi is already there. They have an extremely force adept child, really. She She's 12. She's a kid. They have an extremely force adept kid and they're already like too old. Can't do it. And it's like, can't do yeah. what? Can't brainwash them. Sorry, that was harsh. Um, But so we already see some of this creeping in. So I do think that was that was worth a note. But I, I, I just think it's that they have more students than teachers. So th there's not necessarily a one on one. It's just hard. To, and I think that's where the thing, like, I, I just wish there was some clarification somewhere because, you know, we see Sai and Buck uh, in the most recent issue, not the most recent issue, the one before. So it'd be issue, I don't remember, um, where they're all coming in and they're asking Sai and Buck all the questions and they're setting them up for the Takodano mission. There's a lot of kids there. So are they all under Sai and Buck? And or and I, now this is, is something I can understand too. Like they're at wartime, so I can understand if things are wonky now. But the yeah. way that the series was set up was all these kids were still under them because they were traveling anyway. Even if it was an academic trip, like where like, I'm still stuck on like why is Farzala not with his master anymore? Like that's one that's getting me mm -hmm. um, a lot <laughs> might because we. We get this great introduction to Farzala's master, and he's like, "Thanks. Well, now I'm just gonna f off to Takodana. Bye." Like, it, like that. That bothers me, and it's it's why the High Republic Adventures is such a weird mess in my head. And I really want to see, and, and maybe, and I will say, I am biased. Like, I love Cantum Sai. I write them all the time. They're one of my favorite characters. But in canon, they're barely a character right now. At the time of this recording, they've been in like a handful of issues in the background and a little bit in Crash Point Tower. And the thing about that is Allie hadn't read the High Republic Adventures comics before reading Crash Point Tower. So she had no idea who Zine, her backstory was, who Lula and Sai's relationship was. Like she had no concept of this. And Crash Point Towers was not a very good introduction to all that to her. Like she, that she ended up loving Lula but she didn't come out saying, because there's specifically in Crash Point Tower a line where Lula says, Master Sai is one of the people in the galaxy that Lula loves most. Really? They've never, they've barely been together. <laughs> How? I, I'll take your word for it, 12 year old girl, but you I think that's like, that's an incentive to be like, you want to know why? Go read the comics. But that's not even in the comic. It. They're barely together. But Lula's only 12. 
we have a long time to explore this relationship like i think part of the part of the structure i thought i have to say i I thought she was 14 i thought she was 14 i thought she was 12 we'll say say 13 13 split the difference take the the medium um part of i guess like the structure but also the frustration of the higher public is that because there's so many phases and waves ahead they can't structure it the way they would just a normal trilogy or a normal book like they can't put all of the important information off the top because they want to they want to build it out like lula state is important to her right now but Mm -hmm. i'm thinking the next wave might have a bit of a time jump now our padawans are adults reflecting back on the relationship with people who used to be the adults in their lives and then that might become bigger we might explore that further then my one regret with this theory of my own is that we don't spend a lot of time with the people who are adults now that we are very attached to so i i I think one of my biggest issues i have with the higher public as a whole is the same issue i have with one of my favorite franchises kingdom hearts the problem with kingdom hearts is it has so many side stories that all are actually important in some way. So when if you miss all the side stories between, like like it for one, it platform jumped just like how Higher Public's on different media's. Kingdom Hearts was on PlayStation, 3DS, PSP, like it was on multiple different platforms. So if you wanted to get like the full story, you had to have multiple different ways of playing. And yes, they've released games and videos to put them all on one platform and stuff like that. But if you didn't get the side stories, then sometimes you're like Allie, who went into Crash Point Tower, never read, reading Higher Public Adventures and not knowing Zine's backstory as they visit her worn torn planet, not knowing that. So like if you're playing Kingdom Hearts 3 and you don't know anybody from Birth by Sleep, you're confused when Aqua, Terra, Terra and Ventus show up. You don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. And I do think that is a little bit of a problem. I'm a broke ass. I am poor. It's very hard for me to keep up with everything because I can't always afford all the comics and stuff like that. But that's the trouble of having something that's on multimedia, the different platforms is it's very easy to miss bits of story that might be important later. And I yeah. think, I feel like that's what's happening with characters like Farzala and Sai and Lula and court, where if they do show up in books and stuff and you missed that, you're going to be confused of who they are, what their story is and what their background is. That's why I have been very adamant from the beginning because like I, the only thing I haven't read from the higher public are the insider stories. And that's because I'm waiting fingers crossed for them to bind them all in some sort of, I nice hope so. back and I'll pay for it. But, but no, the good I thing about those are is read. what the good thing about those are though, they don't seem like they're as heavily consequential. No, they're not. They're like starlight centric and yeah. we're never on the starlight. So if, if people dip in and out, it's, it's like a, Oh, I understood that reference, but mm-hmm. that's my understanding of it. But that's one of the reasons I've been so adamant that people read everything if possible. Cause I do understand like comics books, like the, the cost adds up. I get that. Mm-hmm. but to to try to read as much of it as you can or at least be caught up on what's going on as much as you can because the further into this we get the harder it is going to be to catch up it's so, a lot it's a lot so yeah and i just as i think about this it's why i, th- I think there's where the understanding where a lot of people are like what are the main line when you say everything's the main line that gets hard because like my, my friend megan wants to read 
these stories. But she is not a comic reader. It is not her jam. She has tried to read comics. She doesn't like the format. She doesn't like the medium. So she's going to completely miss Keevan Skeer's story. She and most of Avar. And yeah, and most of Avar's stuff is there too. And I mean, the, she's sadly going to miss Comac's glorious hair in that in those I books. Mean, but it's a glorious hairdo. <laughs> Look up every image of Comac in the comics. His hair is just wafting in the wind. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> he is a drama gay, and I love him for it. Um, Sign needs to touch his hair. It's fine. Uh, they need a kiss. It's great. Um, but yeah, like, she's going to miss. Manifest it. Put it up there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to scream if I'm right. Um, <laughs> but she's going to miss everything with Skeer and Keeve. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like you say, most of Avar's stuff. And so, like, it is it is difficult because to say there's no mainline story. Because when you say everything is mainline, that's where it gets hard. I've yet to listen to Tempest Runner because I just haven't had time to sit down for six hours of my day. I think the best way to do it, if you don't have time for all of it, is to sort of touch on all of Wave 1, see who interests you, and follow that line. But even then, they dip in and out of other people's stories. So... I don't, yeah. like, there is no right answer to to the High Republic. I will put a link to a doc I made with everything available so far. It's a good little in link. In the show notes. It's color-coded. So if you want to see it, I'll put that down there. And it'll hopefully help you keep track. But mm-hmm. all right. So Masters get back to Master and Padawans. Yeah. All right. So the other than the High Republic adventure, kiddos. What I've got first on my list is Loden and Bell. My baby boys! My <laughs> chaos child and my chaos idiot. I love them so much. So I so when it comes to Loden and Bell, and this this is I, I talked about this much longer over on Allie's show. So really go check out Knights of Ren, W-R-E-N, for her episode of Crash Point Tower. Cause like we we spent a good hour talking about Loden and Bell's relationship. But to me, like they are the gold star, like, classic dynamic of Master and Padawan. They are the Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. They're the Obi-Wan and Anakin. They are the Ahsoka, Anakin. They're the Kanan and Ezra. Like, they are the very classic definition. And I think this is why I get so annoyed when I get into the other stuff. Because Loden and Bell are so clearly defined from the get-go. You know their relationship. You can see it clearly. You know who the teacher is. You know who the student is. And, they ta- and, and Charles did a really good job putting that out there and showing it and writing it. And then Kevin did a really good job of showing Loden's importance to Belle, like after Loden's gone and like how that affected Belle and why that relationship was so important to them. And we can actually see that a lot in Belle's relationship to Indira. Indira picked up this Padawan who wasn't even hers. And clearly there are boundaries because the moment that Belle senses Loden um, at the end of Rising Storm, Indira is like, no, go to him. Yeah. He's your master. <laughs> like, I'm backing away, dude. Like, I can't stop you. So, like, I think starting off the very first book with such a clearly defined master and Padawan dynamic was both a really good way to show, like, this is how these relationships could look. So we can then reflect this back on, like, this is probably how maybe Keevan Skeer was, even though we start at the end of their journey. Um, but looking at Loden and Bell, like, they start off with this, but it also puts, I would actually argue it's almost a detriment because then everybody else in the High Republic is compared to their relationship, especially because even though there's no mainline story, most 
fans are going to think the, the adult books are the main line. Because that's where, like, they're like the movies where everybody else is, where everything else is like the TV shows, like filling yeah. in the gaps. And Which Bella's... Really, if, if you're listening and that's your point of view, if, if you only have time for the books, please read the adults in the YA because a lot of big things happen in the YA. Yeah, and Belle's pretty much the main character, Padawan, of those books. Yeah. Like, yeah, we see, like, right. the, like, we see Wreath. Like, I, I would I would argue Wreath is the, Wreath and Vanessa are the main characters of the YA, but Belle's the main character of the main line. The main quote. Padawan character. Yeah, the main Padawan yeah. character. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, what, what are your, I, I could, I could easily talk about Lone <laughs> and Belle forever. <laughs> Hello, I have, I'm working on chapter 18 of a Lone and Belle fanfic. Here we go. <laughs> It's called Fire and Thread. Check it out on AO3. But uh, no. Uh, no, please what, what? do. It's very good. My thoughts on Loden and Bell. You're not going to like this. Um, or it's going to make you sad. I feel like the reason they really drive home this Master Padawan dynamic in light of the Jedi is so they can hurt Bell later. Oh, yeah. Kevin said um, and said flat out in an interview that from the get-go, Loden was always destined to die. Yeah, and you can tell it's written that way. Yeah, like it is very much written, and I think that's that's probably why they are such the quintessential, like master Padawan pair is so that we can see like the the damage that this sort of relationship does to them because because of how charged it is, and I guess I'm not taking a stance in yes attachment no attachment. I think with as with anything. You can't make a black and white statement. Only I, I think Kanan and Ezra proved that you can be a Jedi and have attachments. Yeah, like there are there are a, there is a case to be made for for Jedi's and attachments, and I feel like Elzar and his um, attachments are going to be one reason why that's just not a thing. But <laughs> his attachments, attachments. This man. No, that's for, that's, when El- that's when Avar visits. It's her attachment. Yeah, well, that's his biggest attachment, and that's what's going to hurt the most. But yeah, I feel like I feel like that's why it was done. I feel like it was done well because it that part broke me, and I was you know I I like all the characters. There are are few characters in the higher public that I actively don't care about, but Belle sort of being this broken child at the end of Rising Storm watching what happens to Loden like I'm like that's hurts and I hate it but I it was set up so so well yeah yeah Mark Mark I have to say Mark Thompson absolutely killed it in the audiobook and and he acts the heck out of Belle in that scene oh Oh, it's so painful to listen to but uh uh he's such a he's a really good Loden too um yeah, I, I yeah. trust you to speak on the audiobooks. I only I do the I I do oh, oh, paper slash digital, but yeah, I I just oh it's so good. Um, I should send you a clip of Des in the audiobook just so you can hear your baby boy. My baby boy. Your baby I have boy. heard I have heard Martian in the audiobook, and we all know how I feel about Martian in the audiobook. So <laughs> I actually really do like I really do like Martian in the audiobook, and then you see he's a nine foot tall meow meow boy, and I'm like those that voice does not match that That's body. <laughs> I don't mean to go on a huge Martian tangent, but I'm going to do it. My thing is, I've said this before. I know the purpose is for a very terrifying being, this guy who has essentially completely shut down the galaxy to sound very young. So like he's probably only in his mid twenties by the sound of it and not 
as I had pictured in my head mid mid thirties to make it more realistic for my own fantasies. What? It's okay. But um, Martian host forever. But um, I don't know. I find it jarring how young he sounds compared to how big he is. It didn't bother me until I actually saw Martian because his voice actually, in a weird way, reminded me of like more quieter villains, like like more of a Hannibal Lecter almost, where he had this like very slow and quiet voice, and he never raised his voice and very proper. And so like it gave me that feel, and then I saw him, and I was like, oh, there's a there's a tiny 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 little. He, he kind of reminds me of my cat Zeb. Zeb <laughs> is a big fat. 13 pound monster but he has this tiny little just <laughs> voice that comes out of this 13 pound monster of a cat and that's kind of how martian is like he's this like nine foot man and he's just like so um i think there are some people attacking the village nearby but my problem is in the high republic adventures issue five the mask comes off and he looks like Henry Cavill. He actually, he really needs, whoever, I can't remember the who does the audiobook for Into the Dark. It's not Mark Thompson, but um, he, his his voice makes Comex sound like freaking Aragorn. Like he sounds like a ranger. And I feel like that's the voice that should come out of Martian because Comex sounds like he could go running through Mordor with a bunch of hobbits. I would <laughs> like love this, if Martian sounded more like Aragorn. He has that this would like, just, very that would just send me over the edge. Voice. Real. Yeah. Okay, but, back to Masters and Padawans. Thank you. That was the Martian moment. I do want to say, I, th- I think that we do have some insight on some of the other Masters and Padawans and how they could be classic relationships, but it's hard to tell because of how they're presented in the story. And for that, I want to go to like Burry and Nib and Keeve and Skier. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Burry and Nib, like they seem like they have a very similar relationship to Bell and Loden. They are clearly a master Padawan dynamic. She went above and beyond to take him on as her student because she learned how to speak his language. But I think what's the difference between Burry and Nib and Loden and Bell is for one, it's harder to get a lot of Burry and Nib's material because they're in the Star Wars magazine stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, and I can't speak for Tempest Runner because, like I said, so you'll have to fill in for this because I haven't listened to it. But because Burry is a Wookiee, he has a language barrier to everybody else. So unless we're in Burry's point of view, we actually can't hear what he's saying. And that to me is a problem because we can only be like, oh, look at them t- two together. And like, they're in the, he's in the kids' books and they're like, oh boy, Burry is fighting things. He's scared. But we can't actually like hear him dictate things like Bell can unless we're in Burry's point of view. Yeah, it's um, Tempest Runner is, they are in it a little bit. Um, and it is sort of like it is in the books where Burry will say something in Treewook and Nib will respond in English. Or basic. Yeah. And we understand it based on what Nib's saying, but we have to sort of use our intuition based on the environment and based on how old we know Burry is to sort of guess what he's thinking. I will say, this is a little side note, and I think it was Alden who said this, but because Wookiees live so long, Barry more than likely died in Order 66, and that hurts my damn feelings. Now wait just a damn minute. (laughs) <laughs> that hurts my no. feelings. Burry was retired by then, living on he the would sheet, only, minding his own business. Job. He's like, I'm tired. I'm done. I'm I'm out. And they were like, okay, bye. 
And he's just, he's chilling on Kashyyyk. He's living with Chewie's family. He celebrates Life Day every year. Uri <laughs> is fine. He's keeping Mala company while, like, Chewie's away. It's fine. Yeah, you know, like. Babysitting Lumpy. He babysits Lumpy. Like, if, if Mala needs an extra pair of hands around the house to, like, lift stuff, he'll go and use the force. Actually, that that does make Buri a very interesting character, like, knowing, because, like, Yoda's kind of in the same boat, like, comparing Yoda to his who he is in the prequels versus who he is now is something I think they're very purposely staying away from, um, because we actually haven't seen Yoda that much. Yoda's he pretty like much on an adventure. He, he, seen him. he apparently effed off with Farzala's master, apparently. <laughs> they're just gone. Um, but... Like yeah, like Barry would be a very interesting character to continue to follow because he because of his elongated life, we could watch him all the way up to Order sixty six or beyond if he gets away. If so, but like yeah, so like Barry has this language barrier that so he can't be as vocal as someone like Bell to be to convey his feelings. And I think we can also kind of look back on Keeve and Skier. But we see them at the end of their relationship. Issue one's with Keeve being knighted, not even by Skier, by Avar. She gets a battlefield like promotion right there and then. I think Skier and Keeve to me feel like Loden, like a parallel to Loden and Bell. Because Bell is at the end of his apprenticeship. And Loden's like, You're gonna get knighted as soon as we get back to Starlight. Bell's like, okay. And then, you know the Nile happens. So like to me, like Keeve and Bell are very parallel in that way, except where Keeve sort of get just takes the battlefield promotion and isn't like like I understand why Bell wants to wait for Loden, but because he doesn't want to give up hope on his master. And I, exactly I, that's, like that's why I felt like when we saw the book three cover, um I can't remember the name of the book for the life of me the right now. The there you go. Like I think there's a reason and this is my tin Oil hat theory um, is that I think he's a, a knight in that book, and that's why we can't see over his shoulder because we can't see his Padawan break. Um, I don't think he has one there. That's why I think he's already a knight there because he was waiting for Loden, and now that he has closure that Loden's not coming back, I think he's going to take it now. Right. But but that did just remind me of this wonderful post I saw on the interwebs of Jedi mas Jedi masters and the things they do for their Padawans in the High Republic, and it's this long list of like. Stellan having complete faith in Bernestra. Um, Nib signal signaling Burry to engage in battle when he has trouble socializing with people. And the last one was, and Loden dying every time Bell thinks he's ready to be a knight. <laughs> and I was like, ow. <laughs> yeah. Though I do have to, I have to laugh at Drama Gay, Comac Vitus, who. Comac Vitus invading Reed's study bo booth with his hood up just to do a dramatic reveal and ask him if he wants to go rogue. <laughs> But yeah, so like when it comes, I, I like that. I actually, I never thought about Keeve and Skier as a parallel to Loden and Bell. That's a very interesting point. And then like um, Keeve is kind of losing her master too. Very, in, a, in a lot very of ways. Slowly. If you haven't read the, the High Republic Marvel run, um, they have, you know, this encounter with the Drangir and Skier almost dies because he's kind of overtaken by the gear and I can't remember what the name for their hive mind is, but the, the great progenitor or something. Progenitor, yeah, that's yeah. about right. So he's like overtaken the by the great progenitor, and they kind of manage to separate it from him, but it is also severing his connection with the force. So like, Bell loses Loden very quickly, twice. Whereas mm -hmm. like Keeve, you know, took that battlefield promotion and she became a knight. Now she's fighting alongside her old master, and she is losing him 
in front of her eyes very, very slowly. Mm-hmm. So both of them are going to have to deal with loss, but they're doing it in different ways. And there's there's two things also to keep in mind. Like, for one, now that Keeps a Knight, she and Skira are actually more colleagues now, um, which is a very different relationship. And um, Skira went from calling her Keeve into the first issue, and now he calls her Knight Trinus, which is like a barrier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like a colleague barrier, which is a, what changes the dynamics of the relationship. And we also know at some point Keith's leaving the order. Yeah. So it's, I, I think that's, see, I, I, I want to, I really want prequel stories to everything, <laughs> which is yeah, why I, I, I think we started too late. We need to back up like 20 years and start I there. Just, I just want to see them all in Ikea and having good times and eating ice cream and just, you know, get, getting up to like, you know, making moonshines and bathtubs and having being nice and eating ice cream. Just give me a story of that. Um, but yeah, I think starting with Keeve and Skier at the end of their relationship, we've been mostly, I, I mean, I think we can definitely tell that what their relationship might've been like, because Skier doesn't stop Keeve from mouthing off to Stellan. <laughs> and I think that's very much was something like, he's like, no, like she's a free spirit. He's not going to squash that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think we can at least imply a little bit about what their relationship is like, because he doesn't seem like he's one, like she openly swears in front of Avar and he's not like, Keeve, stop it. Like he's just like, no, well, I swear in front of Avar. That's who Keeve is. And like, Keeve, yeah. you know, masters half raise their Padawans. Mm-hmm. So if Keeve still got a foul, like a foul mouth, Skier's got something to do with that. Mm-hmm. He didn't. So, he had every chance to stop her and he didn't. And he didn't. Like, I, I think the thing is like the dynamic formally does change because you know it goes from Keith to Knight Trennis and they become colleagues rather than a student teacher but the way I see every Padawan master relationship for better or worse it is very much a parent-child relationship that's a really good segue into Vernestra and Emily that's a very good segue but that's my whole thing is like with the last thing I want to say about Keith and Keith and Skier is that he might see them as colleagues now but I feel like her attachment to him is still very like 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 he's a parental figure and that's still Mm -hmm. the level of care she has for him so yeah yeah so let's segue on in to my baby boy stellan yeah actually i think it's good to address stellan first before before vernestra and emery because i do feel the prevent the parental relationship between like loden and bell in skiering kiev i don't necessarily feel that between vernestra and stellan though i feel it from her end I don't. Okay, let, me expl- let me explain how okay, I see Okay, you go first see- and then I'll go first. Yeah. Let me see how I let me explain how I see this. So so like Vernestra becomes a knight very young. She becomes a knight at 16. And Comac says that I don't think Stellan did you any favors by pushing you to become a knight <laughs> as a teenager. Like my, my favorite idea is the fact where he's like, and you shouldn't have taken a Padawan so soon. Skier told her to take Emery as a Padawan, and I just see like Skier just backing slowly out of the room. <laughs> Just well, like I didn't do. <laughs> so, well, he's right, though. Like he, Stellan did her no favors because it, it's like, okay, story time. When I was a kid, I feel like in the '90s there were a lot of news stories about like children who finished high school very young, who finished college very young, who were like working professionals at 16, you know, out of college at 16. And I used to say, God, I wish that were me. And my mom's like, No, you don't, Mm-mm. because you finished all the school stuff. You don't get to grow up with everybody else. They actually did a study where people who are prodigies actually have higher anxiety and depression. I wonder why. Like, you're, re- <laughs> you're removed from all your peers. You're at a different level from everybody else your age. So, like, 
while puberty is still very much a thing, all of your coworkers are like getting married. Like, you know what I mean? So you're at, you're somewhere like completely different. And I think we see that a little bit with Renestra is like, so I think the thing with Renestra is, you know, she, she is a prodigy. She has this, I want to achieve, achieve, achieve mindset. And I feel like Stellan is sort of along the same lines. Like, yes, great. Go for gold. There is nobody in this dynamic to stop them because it's a student teacher relationship. So he's like, go for it. And she's like, okay. And then I feel like maybe she is trying to prove herself, be like, no, I'm really as good as everybody thinks I am, you know, gifted kid syndrome. And he doesn't put any kind of stop to this. So she becomes a Jedi Knight and she thinks he did her a favor. She thinks this is great. I'm done. It's finished. But then there is always that constant thought in the back of her head of what is Stellan going to say? Because she's 16. She's not out of this. I need my dad to be proud of me mentality. So when she does things like constructing a light whip that Stellan's probably not going to approve of, she doesn't tell him. Teenagers lie. Teenagers lie to their parents. Renestra is constantly lying to Stellan. It's like, no, I don't have a problem. No, I'm not seeing visions in hyperspace. No, my lightsaber is fine. Like all of this is going to come back to bite her because mm -hmm. this is a person who presumably like the adult at the temple who knows her best because he has known her since she was a kid and she's not telling him any of this. And I think he probably unconsciously did a lot of damage to their relationship by not stopping her, by not letting her be a Padawan with the rest of her peers by putting her in this sort of position above everybody else. I, I get so, the feeling that it's a cycle because from what we can infer by Stellan, like he's the young council member. Like he was always on like the pedestal as well. So I think there's probably some, and, and I didn't they say that like his master Reyna was like really strict on him too and really pushed him to be succeeding like early as well. It's probably, I think, I think so. So that's probably the only thing he knows. Yeah. So I feel like there's a cycle harsh. there that he, and he does the same thing to Vernestra and, and he is a sweetheart and a baby boy and he's never done anything wrong in his life. And he does mean well, but so let me tell you with all the things that Stalin did wrong. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. But, but like his only frame of reference for raising a kid is what his master did with him. So mm -hmm. he's doing to Vernestra. Which then becomes a problem when Vernestra at 16 takes a 14-year-old Padawan. Before we move off of Stellan and Vernestra, I, I do want to say, like, I, I find it interesting because they're the ones that I, I don't feel the parental relationship. I feel like they were always, like, she would come to class, he would teach her, and then she would, like, go back to her room. Like, I don't feel, like, the same parental kind of relationship that I get with, like, Loden and Bell, where Loden's clearly, Bell, Bell sees him as, like, a familiar figure. Um... They're a and... different kind of parental relationship. To me, it's like, to me, it feels like what I, this is a controversial opinion. Nobody else agrees with me, but I'm going to say it anyway. Do to it. me, they're what would have happened if Qui-Gon had gotten to teach Anakin. They are too similar. Yeah, I don't agree with you on that. <laughs> they are too damn similar. Like, not that Qui-Gon and Anakin are anything like Vernestra and Stella, like night and day. But like, part of what I think works is that any master Padawan dynamic we see that that is quote unquote effective. They are different people. You're gonna hate me for this because what? I totally see these pa parallels. I see Vernestra and Stellan like Luminara and Barris. And they're I also think... very similar. So that's not that's not entirely incorrect. And I think okay, so the way I described um 
Vernestra to Ali when we were recording is you have a Vernestra, uh, okay, so you have a piece of toast. And Vernestra is a slab of butter. And you only get the one slab. And every when I was going through Out of the Shadows, every chapter, it was just spreading Vernestra a little bit thinner and thinner across the toast. And she just gets spread thinner and thinner because you can feel her anxiety raise a little bit more every chapter. And I feel I mean, everybody's just like, so-and-so is going to the dark side, so-and-so is going to the dark side. I oh, think Vernestra is going to break. Vernestra's going to break. And I Vernestra's feel absolutely going to break. And I can feel her. I could actually see her going a similar route to Barris. Like maybe I hope she's not like blowing up temples and murdering people. But like Barris became disenfranchised because she was under such a strict "May the Force be with you, Master." After the the um uh, uh the what are their names? I love them. The sisters, the uh, Martez sisters, Martez. after their parents dies. Like she's under that, and I feel like that is the pressure that Vernestra is under. And so I just, I don't see Stellan as the parental figure at all. I see him as like, I am your teacher. This is the boundary. We're not crossing this. Uh, and I feel like he is more of that traditional rigid structured Jedi that we see later in the prequel trilogy. I feel like he is like the poster boy for that. Oh, and I yeah. think, and I, and I do think we might see him waver that because of people like Elzar and Avar. And I'm very, I want to see more of that relationship, but at the end of, rising storm like i i can see stellan going whoa my rigidity was a problem in that so i could see stellan pulling back well, but verdestra is already gone i agree that stellan feels the most like a prequel jedi but i think the thing with stellan that we see a bit in the rising storm and we do see it in like edge of balance and um trail of shadows which is coming out now is like stellan is very he's the youngest guy on the council he has a lot of pressure on his shoulders like Vernestra does. Like he is Vernestra in a different generation. Like it's a, they're the exact same person, which might probably be like, you will see, th this is why I do see it as a parent-child relationship because you do see a lot of like conflicts and like actual parent-child relationships or like within Star Wars or whatever. When the parent and child are too similar, it there is like, there is conflict. So his whole thing is like, he is going to probably crack in favor of, helping people and sort of breaking the rigidity just because unlike Vernestra, he did have the chance to grow up with Elzar and Avar and form those connections. And he wasn't made their superior when they were very young. Whereas like Vernestra is younger than Reef and technically his boss. I love that. Being a couple years younger than somebody is not, and being their boss is not a bad thing, but like when you're a teenager, like it's a lot. I love that moment when Reith is like, hey, Vernestra, who's now a knight that's younger than me and I'm still a Padawan. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, like to them, it, to me, to me, like their relationship is not like a good parent child relationship, but it, it, it feels like a fraught one, which Outside hurts because I love them both so much. Outside of Reith, who are Vernestra's friends? She doesn't have any. Because like, she was pushed to knighthood too quickly. She doesn't she doesn't have any peers. Like Reith is her friend. She kind of knows some of the other teenagers, but like they they all have X amount of responsibility and she's got infinitely more responsibility just by virtue of her position. Yeah. Cause I'm she's trying in a to very I, bad position. I'm racking my brain if she's ever like because yeah, I mean she knows like other Padawans on Starlight, but I'm trying to rack my brain if like she hung out with anybody. Like, if she, like, was just like, oh, yeah, me and Belle hung out once, blah, blah, blah. But I, I can't think of any time of anybody 
mentioning her outside of Wreath, just being like, hey, I'm going to crush. <laughs> That's why Wreath has a crush voice. <laughs> Wreath? Reef is Elzar. If it's there, he's got a crush. Like <laughs> he's he is a teenage boy. It's uh, if it breathes, he's he if it breathes, he's like I'm in love. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about. I can't wait for a Reef go back book. I'm so excited for that. But no, we're still talking about Vernestra. So let's get to Vernestra and Emery because yeah, that is that terrible, is terrible, horrible, no good, very bad idea. That is <laughs> yeah, like they are. Mm. That they're almost peers. Uh, they are peers, but to where to the point where I don't even see her as a teacher, really. No. And that's that's why I think it. There's it's so effective when Comax like you were crazy for doing this, kid. Like what the heck? Okay, can I and, make another prequel comparison? Yeah, go ahead with these. Two. So I have made this. I think I made this comparison to Hannah a couple of times, but I told her that the Obi Wan, the Qui Gon, Obi Wan, Anakin chain dynamic makes me think of like a dad who has a son who then finds out he had another son from another relationship who's much younger than his first son then the dad dies and the one son's got to raise the other one that he barely knows that's what they feel like to me like i don't think that's too far off i mean like my parents are alive but a lot of times when my my mom was working like when both my my mom and my dad were working my sister took care of me so like my sister raised me for a good chunk of my young life because my parents were working and she's only five years yeah she's only five years older than me yeah he raises a kid he barely knows and doesn't actually like all that much right at the beginning because like i don't get this kid (laughs) but that's what Vernestra and Imri feel like because Vernestra was there when Imri's master died master Douglas I think mm-hmm. when she was That's there right. when master du- when master Douglas died she kind of feels responsible for Imri and she's like rather than hey Imri why don't you and I go to starlight and we can introduce you around you can find a new master she's like I'll do it and I know some of it was Skier's encouragement but like none of them had to go with it but they did anyway so <laughs> it just feels like this this 16 year old sister raising her 14 year old brother and i'm like this is a bad idea i really hope that gets addressed one day of like vanestra just snaps and emory's like scare what did why did you do this and he's just like i don't know that's not going to come up in some sort of ya novel context for angst like i'm sure it will i mean what's scared left the first two books he's been in marble land so i don't know (laughs) no but he might say that to vanestra like, I wish Skier hadn't done this. Like, Skier yeah. hadn't told you to take me on. You clearly don't want to. So. Did you, that, that, that's actually a very valid question. Did Vernestra want to take Emery, or did she do it because an adult told guilty. her to? Or did an adult, because an adult told her to? Yeah, because an, she's like an adult well, six, in her community. She's a Jedi Knight, but an adultier adult told her to take this one. That's actually she something did. that I... Like I'm, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Out of the Shadows, mostly because I think it's a very poor use of Wreath and Comac. Um, but that is one of the few times that I thought Comac was used very well. Was how just him in relationship to Vernestra and how out of her depth she is, and seeing like an adult Jedi Master in relationship to his Padawan compared to her, a 16-year-old girl who's supposed to be in that circle. Like, I want to see more scenes of Vernestra standing with all the adults and just being like, I am out of my depth. I honestly think that's why Wreath and Comac were in Out of the Shadows because they like they didn't do a whole lot, but I think they were there They were to... worn bodies. You could replace them with but anybody. They were... I think they're there to like drag them forward in the young adult timeline so that um... 
Midnight Horizon can be about them. And we were sort of kept up with them through the YA books. I think that's the only reason they're there. They were but, you could have replaced Wraith and Comac with hell, you could have replaced them with Cy and Lula and it wouldn't have changed anything. It wouldn't change the Midnight Lula. Disaster. That's not what it's called. Midnight Horizon isn't about Cy and Lula, it's about Wraith and Comac. Cy's in it though. Daniel has confirmed it. I'm so excited! <laughs> My ship! <laughs> it's gonna go down like starlight. I don't care. Um Sorry, but yeah. Sorry. Like seeing that's the reason they're there, but it is like to bring them forward, but also to, like you said, put Lula, not Lula, to put Vernestra up against an adult Jedi who has done this before and knows what he's doing. Yeah, I, I, I should be clear. Like my problem isn't the fact that Vernestra was with an adult Jedi; it was that Wreath and Comet could have been anybody, and it wouldn't have changed the story. Like they didn't actually do anything in no, the story. I think, that's what I'm saying. Is I don't think it was like for story reasons; I think it was for like overall structural yeah. reasons, but. And and as with Comac being one of my favorite characters, that was a very disappointing thing. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I understand. I, like and, that, I I get that. And how how is this going to affect? And and how's this going to affect Emery? Because again, we see the strength of Loden and Bell. Because when Emery is having these struggles with his empath abilities, the first thing Reef thinks of is, "Oh, Loden was an empath. We should talk about him because he is a master who is in charge of having his own empath abilities and controlled them." And it just showed the strength of Loden still radiating in the story even after he's gone. And it's going to affect Emery in his training. Like I almost, I almost wouldn't. I would not be surprised if we reach just a point in the story, like even in Vernestra's next book, if she has to let Emery go because she's just out of her depth and he has to get a new master. And how is that going to affect him if that happens? Like he's I feel just, abandoned. He is, and he's already lost one master. What's going to happen if he loses another? He's going to feel defective. Yeah, absolutely. Is right. and and so Vernestra and Emery are just one of the strangest relate like padawan master relationships in all of the higher public and i i also paired them with lily and kieran only just because i have no idea how old lily is i have I, no idea think about the, the so lily and kieran are from the edge of balance manga series and manga is very forgiving everybody looks much younger like the you cannot tell me that the stellan geos and edge of balance is the same stellan geos from trail of shadows when you're apart because Okay, look, I, I love I love a grizzled, stressed out Stellan like in in Trail of Shadows, but the man in Edge of Balance is a snack. Like, oh my god! Well, he here's gorgeous. the here's the confusing thing in the High Republic Adventures issue. I believe it's issue four. There's when when Lula's like, you got you master should ask Zine for her opinion, and also her friends. When they show all the friends, there's a girl, one of the youngling slash padawans, who looks exactly like Lily. And so Wikipedia for the longest time had that character labeled as Lily until it was corrected when Edge of Balance came out as Lily's first appearance. So there was confusion for a long time that Lily was a lot younger. And of course it ended up being cleared up yeah. and stuff like that. But like I, she, if I had to guess, just based on what's going on, I would say Lily is like in her early mid twenties, and I was Kieran thinking is like, like a mid teenager. I, I, I'm thinking she's like 23, 24. She's like young. I was thinking oh, like nineteen twenty. No, I don't think it's. I don't think she's that close to Kieran in age. She just doesn't carry herself the way Vernestra does. Like she is still very young. Maybe I would argue maybe too young for an apprentice, but I don't think she's a teenager anymore. I would say 21 tops for me. Like, I just, I just how she's still acting. Cause Ar Arkoff, the, the Wookiee Arkoff. Yeah. Um, hey, was he her master? It's unclear. Um, seems unclear. But the way he still addresses her and how she acts, especially in relationship to him and Stalin, 
she just to me radiates Vernestra's similar energy of just like I'm really young I don't know what to do with these younglings who follow me everywhere like well it's it's that other thing too of like when you are at any age let's be real when you're on your own you are an adult when your parents are there suddenly you're much younger so I feel like that's that's how Lily reads to me is she is like in charge until Master Arkoff or Stellan are there and then suddenly she's a kid again. I do have to the oh, adults sorry, are adults are there. I do have to wonder if this is a situation that that's like what happened in Clone Wars. Because in the episode Lair Grievous, we meet Kit Fisto's ex-Padawan Nadar. And he is still a teen and he got promoted to a Jedi Knight because they're at war and they just don't yeah. have Jedi Knights and they needed commanders. And he was close enough to knighthood that they just went ahead and promoted him, even though his training wasn't complete. And I'm wondering if like now that they're at war, and this is of course right around the time of Valos when Edge of Balance starts, um, I'm wondering if Lily got just a quick promotion to a knight and they're like, okay, you're a knight now, take on a paddle on because we need them. Well, you know what and- it could have been too, because Lily got promoted very sad if Lily got promoted very suddenly. Um, because they were sending her to a refugee outpost and she's not on the front lines, they're probably like, it is low impact, low stress, mm-hmm. you can take on a Padawan. Whereas, like, if Lily was front line, they would not have given her a Padawan. Like, Keeve doesn't have one. If yeah. if they're about the same age, Could then you imagine theory, Keeve, Keeve with a Padawan, she'd be like, what a disaster. Get <laughs> <laughs> She'd be like, oh, give me, can you give me a scout while I fight? And they'd be like, eh. She would have so much fun with the paddle. And she'd be like, them every swear in every language. Lesson one. Here's your cool double-sided paddle uh, thing. And we're going to learn the various ways you can say crick in a sentence. I hope you have a cricking, cricking, crick, crick day. Crick it all. <laughs> she, she would, oh my gosh, I would love to watch Cube with a paddle on. That would just be great. I, mean, I feel like maybe. she's going to grow up to be like Orla, like, and it's just going to be great. Like her, she's just going to be this like grizzled hard lady of just like wild. She's actually, I could see Keith turning into an Ahsoka to be perfectly honest with you. Just like this adult feral lesbian who's just like, you know, I crick it all. I'm just going to take a shot and go into battle. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> that's a girl girl. Nah, that's a baby Yoda. Give me your kid. That's a baby Yoda. <laughs> Okay, so I do want to talk about Rethink Comac because I was gonna say you're ready to talk about your boys. I, I am ready to talk about Comac because I feel like where Comac is one of the most interesting adult characters is because we know the most about him growing up. Right. Um prior to Light of the Jedi, we really don't know much about the adult's backstory. But Comac is defined by his backstory, which is losing his master. But even then, it's still a little odd. Because they specifically say that Master Simix died on Comac and Orla's first adventure. So were they, like, training for months to years before they went on an adventure? Or was Simix's, like, newly master? Like, that's not ever defined. But if it's their first adventure, we have no time of how long Comac was with them. But it obviously affected Comac very deeply. And which is why I feel like Comac is such... why One of the reasons why I was... I was, okay, it's my own fault because I was assuming it would be addressed and it wasn't. So then I made myself sad. So it's not Justina's fault at all. But I, I wanted addressed at some point of Comac talking with Reef 
about losing Jorah because Komek has been in that position. He lost his own master, and did he get another master afterwards? I don't know. Like, it's never mentioned of like, oh, I guess you lost your first master. I guess you're just on your own now, kid. Go to a temple like Ram and just be there. Or something. Like, none of that's addressed. And that's I, the weirdness of it. I think. And of course, we're only in phase one, so we could come yeah, up later. We're still so. in phase one. I think we're going to get all this down the line. But I think part of Komak's damage is the fact that he hasn't had this conversation with Wreath, and he probably should. Mm-hmm. I think he probably did get an. Actually, you know, that's a good question. I don't know because him being telling Wreath that he would be his new master, like, is he trying to make up for the fact that nobody was there for him when he lost his master, or is he thinking? They assigned me a master. We didn't get along. I'm going to do right by this kid in a way that nobody ever did right by me. So it could go either way. I think this is probably, I have no idea. I'm speculating, but this is probably going to be Midnight Horizon. Midnight Horizon is about mm-hmm. because it's I can about see that. two of them. So I guess that's my issue is we are, okay, hold on. Hope has to count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven books does a couple dozen comics in and there are still these like really weird questions coming out of phase one of like how a lot of this is structured and i think that's where a lot of my problem lies is we're giving a lot of this like kind of basic stuff and and i i wish we would focus more on the adults outside of the adult books like yeah i I okay and and i think this is where out of the shadows really bothered me and where i i find a lot of my problems with the high republic adventures because I, for anybody who doesn't know, I love animation. I study animation. I have an animation podcast. I write for the Geeky Waffle about animation because yeah, that's my wheelhouse. And what is anim- like the like the staple of young adult animation is the importance of the adults in the story. What is Gravity Falls? What Dipper and Pines? What Dipper Pies has? Dipper and Mabel have Stan and Ford. What is Cora without Tenzin? What is uh, Zuko without Iroh? Like, adults play incredibly important roles in young adult media. And you can't have Luce in the Owl House without Ida, the Owl Lady. Adults are very important. And that's why Sai and Lula bother me so much. Because when Lula's going, Sai, Master Sai is one of the people I love most in the galaxy. And they're not even there for like most of Lula's story. It bothers me. And so. When I see, when I'm having these questions about these holes in a lot of these characters' lives, like Comac pretty much just being a warm body and out of the shadows just to be there for Venestra, or like not even have, like, you know, it, it, it just bothers me because as someone, and, and I should clearly state that young adult literature is very different from young adult animation, completely different mediums that has to be stated. But at the same time, like, I get frustrated that we're coming out of phase one with some uh, some huge basic fundamental questions about how a lot of these systems work. Like, did Comac get a new master? Why, w- or was he left alone? And, and I want a lot more focus on the adults in these stories. So when they are in the young adult novels, we know what their stories are. Like, Comac just... And maybe it's because we didn't have any chapters from Comac's point of view. And that 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 is a thing. Into the Shadows, when when we're not in Comac's point of view, he's very much in Out of the Shadows, or Into the Dark, I should say, Into the Dark, as he is in Out of the Shadows. But in Into the Dark, when we're in Comac's to- point of view, he's a completely different character. And I feel like that was really missing in Out of the Shadows because, like, to talk about Reese and Comac's relationship, why it was strange to me is 
they have this whole adventure together, but they're not even master and Padawan yet. So we can kind of infer what their relationship is going to be. And Comac's even hesitant about taking on Wreath at first because he's just like, I don't know, but you're here. So yeah. And he's hesitant to take him on, but he trusts the force. And I think that's a very, Comac's such an interesting character too, because he, A, doesn't agree with the order, doesn't agree with how they teach the force because to him, the force is not a two-sided coin. It's a 20-sided die. And he has this, he's a very interesting character, but we're not seeing, and, and that's why I'm so excited for Midnight Horizon, because I really want to see Reef and Comac as Master and Padawan, because they're great together and in Into the Dark. But Reef is so blinded by what, not I shouldn't say blinded, but blindsided by what happens to Jorah that it takes him a while to warm up to Comac because at first Comac's just like, he's the cool guy in the archives with me and we're on a <laughs> journey together. Awesome. And then of course Dez is there and he's like, yeah, Dez. And then Dez is gone. He's like, oh no, Dez. And everyone's sad over Dez. And then Jorah does. And he's like, I'm sad again. And then finally, like Comac being the drama gig, he is comes and he's like hey you want to come do crimes with me and then they go do crimes <laughs> so like they have this potential to be like such an interesting dynamic and i'm so excited for midnight horizon because i want to see probably out of everybody i want to see this relationship because komak is the most is the is the the adult character that we know the most about we know the most about his past we know his views of the force we know so much about him but that I feel like we're just getting the tippest of the iceberg, but we don't really know much about his and Reed's relationship that much because they're so distracted by everything else happening around them. And so they finally get together and they are master and Padawan, but I think I, I have a similar frustration with phase one. And like, to be fair, I would not be sitting here talking about the higher Republic if I didn't care about the higher Republic. I love it so much more than I thought I would, but you can like stop and criticize it. It is possible, shockingly. Um, it's, it's like I was saying earlier, like, I wish these books had started 20 years earlier. Because I'd be happy with just, like, 15, like, five years earlier. At, like, any measure of time earlier, just because we we get a lot of the adult characters, even in the... The only time we are exclusively focused on the adult characters, really, is in the adult books. So that's only two books. Every other time we see the adults, it is in relationship to the Padawans. They're, the Padawans are half the story. The Padawans are like, they feature so heavily, like, because it's Keevan The Marvel. only one I would argue against is Into the Dark, which Orla and Comac get a lot of time in that They book. do get that's, a lot of time. That's the one I would argue against. But yes, everything but else, otherwise, yes. largely, we don't see much of the adults. And like, Stellan and Elzar in particular really fascinate me in their their obi-wan anakin vibe in in the fact that they obviously grew up together that they obviously have this very tight friendship that like i think calvin scott was saying was like one thing he really wanted to make sure it comes clear is just just how much these two have each other's backs and just how much they do care about each other which means it's probably going to hurt later <laughs> but it's just gonna hurt so bad but Cap <laughs> knows what he did everybody knows what they did that post so they released yesterday the image of like starlight on fire with all the jedi on it it's like who horrified. will survive it's like who will survive and i, I was won't. like I, I could live without two of you the rest of you are i'm scared for I'm so afraid to lose any of them but we're going to lose people this january and i can't wait mm. to cry but i i just wish that we had more time developing how Stellan 
and Elzar became Stalin and Elzar. I, I guess that's where I feel like a lot. Cause like we're told a lot of these relationships, like, like Skir and Jorah are apparently incredibly good friends, but they only have a scene together before Jorah dies. And it's just like, Oh no, I guess you guys are good friends. Best friends. <laughs> and I, I feel like I, I call the back third of Lie of the Jedi, the corporate third. And I, and, and I and I still stand by that. I love Lie of the Jedi, and I think it's one of the best Star Wars books ever written. But at the same time, the last third is just like, we have to introduce all the characters and all the other properties. Like, Skier, he's going to get, like, three scenes with Jorah, and she's important in Reed's book. Um, but I feel like there's, like, so much telling. Like, we're told. And I think that's why El Elzar and Avar work so much in Lie of the Jedi, because we actually get to see them together and hanging yeah. out, and we get to see their relationship but we're told about the Firebrand trio, but we don't see it. And that's where I feel like Comac has such an advantage over everybody else. Like, is because we know so much of his past with Orla, we get several chapters of him and Orla as Padawans. And that's why, as adults, we understand why their relationship works. And as much as I love or the idea of that tiny Umbaran lady, lady getting all up on that big lizard man. We're only told that Skir and Orla were a thing, but we don't see it. Well, and I feel like there's only, the thing is we have like at least 30 named characters, all of whom have between 15 and 40 years of life behind them. We can't see everything. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and, and, I, and I know that's that. Yes, I understand. Yeah. And I understand that story. And that's what fan fiction is for. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. and, but I love that they throw little things like that in there anyway, that these yeah. two are just being yeah, so yeah, wildly yeah. inappropriate in front of Keeve. And she's like, I don't want to hear this. But when it comes to like, I would argue like the top 10 characters, like, I agree. I feel like we should have more background with characters like Elzar, Ava, the adults, the adults, the adults. The I, feel like, I, I feel like I feel like more. I because we're growing up with the Padawans. We're growing up with them. We're watching them grow. We're spending a ton of time. And because so much of the media is YA, middle grade, and young comics, while the adult stuff is mostly the Marvel comics and the adult books. I would argue that Marvel isn't really adult stuff because it's mostly Keeve. I don't know. That that last issue, that was pretty well, I mean, darn rough. <laughs> it was rough. But, but it is, you're right. It's Keith. It's Keith's story. And she's still a young woman. And so, so it's so heavily swayed towards the Padawan story that the adults, I feel, are kind of starting to get left behind because we're spending so much time with Vernestra and her journey. But what do we really know about the adults that's leading them? That's the big thing is like, I feel there's clearly like, we know that Elzar and Avar are a thing or were a thing and aren't anymore because Avar's like, we can't do this. And we know Stellan is like, oh my God, my demisexual disaster man is like, oh my God, you people. <laughs> so we need to know why. <laughs> I didn't tell you the joke that I wrote yesterday because um, I was talking with the wonderful Roberto, who's a fantastic artist, and I was t I was making Titanic jokes because, of course, the whole flaming Starlight poster came out yesterday, and I was making Titanic jokes, and I was like, Avar's like, I'll never let go, Elzar, I'll never let go, and he and Elzar's just like, there's room for both of us there, and they're having this romantic moment as Stellan's dragging them both to the <laughs> to the lifeboat. <laughs> But this is exactly his energy. It's like, my two best friends are a mess. I'm just going to drag them but to I the, love them anyway. to the escape and pod. Like, 
<laughs> Clearly, there is a lot of history there, not just between Avar and Elzar, but like with the three of them. And I don't mean in some kind of OT3 way. I just mean like they grew up together. There is some kind of history Do you think there. once all three phases are done, we're going to get prequel stuff? I would love that. I had but this- do you think, like actual, like, do you think they'll do it? I had this loose idea in my head that they were going to do phase no wave three this winter save the start of wave two for the new year yeah probably celebration announcement like announce the new phase at celebration and then the summer release would be prequel stuff about the characters we just had that was my thinking i don't this isn't based in anything Except for like, like we see, you know, when the sequel trilogy ended, then we got the last of the Kylo Ren comics, then we got the Poe Dameron novel, then we got, you know, all of this wrap up stuff. So I'm almost wondering if we're going to get wrap up stuff for wave one before wave two starts. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just cynical because I love Star Wars. I love Disney stuff. I'm very critical of Lucasfilm and Disney as companies. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think we're going to get prequel stuff unless the High Republic sells well. Which it is. And don't get me wrong, they're all best New York Times bestsellers. They are. But I just I can't see them releasing stuff prequel stuff until A, all three phases are done. B, if if it doesn't do well, because money rules the, these companies more than anything else, which is why there's more queer characters in the books than on screen. Hate Orca and Flix. I hate that that's a thing, but... Oh my goodness, it, I'm still so salty that the historic first queer couple on screen of Star Wars, Orca and Flix, was not recognized by Star Wars Twitter at all once during Pride Month. Still f- so flippin' salty about that, and I will not live it, I will be angry forever. I love Orca and Flix. Anyway, yeah, but like I just I'm cynical. I I don't think we're gonna get prequel stuff unless it continues to be bestsellers. Which yeah, is I think well it it is doing well as far as I know. It is like they keep hitting the New York Times bestseller list. Mm-hmm. The hype keeps going, and I think as the story builds, it'll probably do better. I will say, and this is my push as somebody who loves books and loves print books in particular, um, with the supply chain stuff going on right now. If the High Republic is as important to you as it is to me, and you are able to do so, please pre-order them. Yeah, though, I to, to go back to my original question about prequel stories, I could see more books in the future doing like what Into the Shadows did with the Comac and Orla, where there are flashbacks to their earlier lives, which I can see yeah. easily if it gets woven in. Um, and yeah, though, on, on the term of Elzar, I do have to say, I want to talk about Ram Jamrian for a second because I think he's Ram's again, that interesting character where he's kind of masterless where he talks about masters. I'm going to ruin this name. I think it's, it's either Lege or leash and I don't know which one, Um, but uh, masters Lege and Kunpar, but neither of them are his masters. And so when Valo was gone, he just went off with the high Republic adventures kids. Cause I guess he's there now. And I started thinking about it. I think about like who would be a really good master for him. And my tinfoil hat theory is I think Elzar would be a perfect master for Ren, for Ram. And when I, when I thought about it more, I was like, cause Elzar likes to tinker with the force, 
Ram tinkers with technology. Elazar has this very outgoing personality who could like bring Ram out of his shell. And Ram is a very down to earth person who could really ground out Elazar. And I'm just like, please let Elazar be Ram's master. I think that would be such a cool dynamic. I think it'll be a lot of fun. And then we could have Elazar more in, can you imagine Elzar coming into the High, of it, High Republic Adventure novels and just be like, what's up, kids? Let's do the Padawan Royal Rumble! And, and well, Ram's like, master, Ram, no. <laughs> Ram would basically be his, would be Elzar's Ahsoka, right? Because you've got yeah. this, like, you know, this this Jedi master where nobody quite knows what to do with them and their straight-laced, very sexy best friend is like, help. But then, you know, you give them a student and suddenly it's like, no, don't do that. And it's like, but you do that. It's like, well, it's okay if I do that, but you don't do that. And then suddenly that I has mean, to make don't. them like mature a little bit. And I, I think that would be Ram, a fantastic dynamic. I just see Ram just being like, oh, crick. And Elzar's like, don't swear. You swear all the time. Well, that stops now. <laughs> Not anymore, I don't. Avar and Stellan um, just sitting in the back with popcorn laughing. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I think I I, I really would love to see Elzar be Ram's master. So, so yeah, okay, here's the thing. To bring this all back, because these were, you know, in a, it, I guess I should throw out, it would have been nice to see more Wreath and Jorah together before Jorah bit it. Um, because... Then it would have a lot more resonance, or to see even like Des and Jorah together, because like let's have more Des. Yeah, I I do want more Des. I want more Des right in. So we didn't really have masters and Padawans in the original trilogy, and it wasn't until the prequel trilogy came out in Clone Wars that we actually got really an idea of what masters and Padawans are like. So are the High Republic Masters and Padawans weird, or do they match what's been set down previously by Star Wars? I think they expand on what's set down previously by Star Wars. Okay. Like, they, Star Wars has loosely set up these sort of vague ideas of not just a Master and Padawan in a Jedi context, but what a mentor-student relationship looks like. In a variety of contexts. And I'm sure that's all going to come to me in a second. But we we do see a lot of dynamics. Like intergenerationally. Like take in the sequel trilogy. Like Poe and Leia. She is one of his mentors. He drives her up the wall. But half the stuff he knows he learned from her. At least this is what I maintain. So anything in Star Wars storytelling. That we've had so far. About like the new generation. Learning from the old and whatever. I think that has all kind of been boiled down into the various dynamics we see in the High Republic. And it's all happening in one order and it's all happening at the same time. It's all happening among a group of people that all know each other so that they can throw this all sort of into contrast with one another. I don't know if that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I guess for me, my answer is yes and no. I think coming out of phase one, I of course, I have a lot of glaring questions about a lot of these. And how a lot of this is because if this is the golden age of the jedi i I guess it's good that we're seeing such a variety of masters and padawans because there is no definite definition of what it means to be a master and padawan and i do think there are some question marks like i don't think vernestra should have a padawan right now i think she's too young and, and that's strange but then we have these very classic relationships like loden and bell and I assume that we're going to get more of that with Ruth and Comac and Midnight Horizon and even like Keep and Skier and Burr and, uh, Burry and Nib and stuff. 
but I do think it it runs well with what we've seen. I mean, I started off saying that Kanan and Ezra remind me so much of a lot of these dynamics, and I would even throw out, um, oh, Dan and his master in visions. What's oh, his master's name? Master Tuchin. Yeah. Yeah, I did want to mention him. I completely forgot. Yes. Like, I could see them just showing up on Starlight and fitting right in. I think one of, the, one of the creators yeah. maybe of that short or one of the producers from Lucasfilm said that this one very well could have been set during the High Republic. Like, because they're all kind of vague. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be canon. It's not canon. I personally, this is my thing, think that all of them work in canon, but that's mm-hmm. just me. But, um, like, I think this one is supposed to be vaguely that sort of era. So, yeah, they would fit right in. Yeah, um, honestly, they reminded me in a lot of ways of Loden and Bell. I, I even wrote that in our, our Geeky Waffle review that we did together. Yeah. Um, I And so I do think this fits very well because there are some unorthodox relationships that we see on screen with characters like, like Ray and Luke. That's an unorthodox Master Padawan relationship or even like Luke and Ben. Uh, I wouldn't say that's unorthodox. That's more traditional. Um, but that's where but, it went wrong is that it went too traditional. Yeah, and there's so, something to be said for not trying to maintain that traditional structure. And and I guess that's where I, why I keep falling back on Kanan and Ezra being a lot of the groundwork to get people prepared for the High Republic. You know, Kanan was had a lot of freedom as a master because he wasn't within the structures and the rules of the prequel era Jedi. He only had the basic tools, and he had to find his own path. He found a way to be a Jedi with attachments. He had somebody he loved with Hera. He had a Padawan that he loved. I can't emphasize enough how often that Kanan, like I I always think about how much Kanan hugs Ezra. And like he lets, he talks to Ezra when Ezra touches the dark side. He hugs Ezra. He actively, and, and this was a big difference for me, Anakin clearly remembered his mother. And the council was like, no, attachments can't happen. Forget forget your mother. It's fine. But then Kanan actively helps Ezra look for his parents as a Jedi master. And he helps his parents, his Padawan look for that because he knows what his parents means to his, to his Padawan. And he doesn't tell Ezra to swallow that, like to shove that away and to forget them because he knows it's different. And I feel like they were really a lot of the groundwork more than Ahsoka and Anakin, more than Anakin and, and Obi-Wan, more than Qui-Gon and, and Obi-Wan, more than that. I feel like Kanan and Ezra was kind of the primer to a lot of the relationships so we can have the freedom of the High Republic now. And they they kind of set us all up for this because there's so much in the High Republic that does remind me of Rebels in a lot of way in the relationships of Kanan and Ezra. Hmm. I don't, I will admit I think Candace is the only one who really knows this, that Rebels is not one I go back to very often. Oh, I go so back to Rebels I didn't, so much. <laughs> I didn't draw that parallel, but I think I've only seen it all the way through once. Maybe twice. No, that's not true. Twice. I've seen it twice. I, so, I, 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 we, we did Rebel, all of Rebels on Jagas and Jedi, so we would break each episode down into like two-hour conversations and like really analyze the crap out of it. And so we, we talked about that a lot over at Guys about how Kanan didn't get stuck in the dogmatic ways of the prequel because he was a kid. He yeah. he was the he was the Vernester that got thrown out into the wilds on his own and had to figure it out with nothing but the force and a blaster. No, I do think I think that's like very important, especially when when discussing the Jedi is to look at what happened to the Jedi who made it out, who, you know, who survived the temple, who pushed on as 
as Jedi, as Force users, whatever, removed from a temple context, like like Ahsoka eventually, like Kanan, like Luke, who never had the temple life, but who at his first opportunity was like, what if we brought that back and that didn't go well? And like, I think that's always like, because, you know, when you're in a thousand year old system, you don't question it, you just roll with it. But when you're not in that system anymore and you have the chance to challenge it, do you challenge it? In Kanan's case, yes. In Luke's case, no. So something that just struck me as you were talking what if during phase two and phase three, we see the council starting to try and put down the rigidity and the rules and like tap down on that? How are all these characters going to react to that? Oh, I absolutely think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think absolutely. The reason they, they, they set up, you know, Avar and her, her hippie floating <laughs> and Elzar and his- Elzar's going to be like, that's dumb. We're not going to do Elzar it, right? his libido is going to kill us all. And like, <laughs> you know- I love- like, I just can't get over. He literally got caught with his pants down on Valo. <laughs> like, those are multiple acts, man, causing trouble on Valo. Because not only, not only is he a willing lover, but he is apparently very thorough. So, I just said, when you said multiple acts, man, I thought you meant like axe body spray. So I'm like, I have all the body sprays. Jedi is using axe body spray. It's Elzar, man. I get all the body sprays on me. Stellan has the nice cologne that he spent a lot of money on and uses very sparingly. Elzar is like, I don't have time. He's got an axe in his bag. He's got one in his room. He's got one in every, like. Oh, I agree. Again, have to bring out what the drama gay comeback is because it's actually stated that he purposely gets his Jedi ropes tailored to fit him. So they're like, they fit him like perfectly and stuff like that. And yeah, like, oh, so I really want like just a nice little scene of like connecting like i see you like all these girls read and he's like i don't like girls he's like you want to teach you how to talk to girls he's like yes please he's like all right and he goes into like sassy gay friend mode and he's just like what are you doing what 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 are you doing <laughs> he turns into sassy awkward. gay master oh my god i can't wait for midnight harassing especially knowing that size in that book i just i, I want it so bad did I make this up or is it in one of the books where somebody asks Wreath if Jedi are allowed to have sex and he just gets Oh no, that's it. It's Affy. It's Affy. It's um, Affy. Okay, so it straight, did happen. Straight up. Like, oh my like, god. Did I I... Up? No, I didn't. Okay, I need more of them. Like, I, I need more of the vessel crew, especially because it's so funny. Like, uh, and, I, and I, this is actually like my comfort, which is setting me up for failure. Because, like, my favorite character on High Republic is Loden, and that destroyed me. But mm. my second favorite character of the High Republic is Leox Giassi. I love Leox. I, he is my baby. He is my boy. I love him so much. I think he's such a fascinating character. I think he's a well-written character. He's so well-rounded. I screamed when he was in High Republic Adventures. He's so perfect for that role. I hope he's back in Midnight Horizon. I think I hope the whole vessel crew is back in Midnight Horizon. I would love to see them continue to come back. And... I'm just like, yay, Leox is away from, as long as he's not in a book, though, he's alive. <laughs> so Leox is just off living his best life. <laughs> Good for you, Leox. Oh, man, I just I just want him to come back. So Just have um, him come back, be like, hi, and then go again so that nothing bad can happen. I just want to see him come back and be like, hey, Koa, hey, Reed. Oh, you two are like, like friends now. Cool. <laughs> he's like, you want some legalized spice? <laughs> it's Chemex's like, oh, you have drunk, and it actually saves Dez's life. And Leox is like, I told you it was medicinal. 
Okay, but Des deciding that he's having a crisis and he's just going to take his medicinal spice and go on like a journey of silence. I'm like, okay. Yeah, he yeah, goes off on. with Farzala's master. They just F off and go off into the great beyond. They're fine. It's just, he's fine. He's he's having a gap year. Um, <laughs> he's backpacking across Europe. <laughs> that's what Des is doing. He's just backpacking <laughs> with his medicinal spice. Anyway. Fine. All right. So to wind this down, final thoughts about Master of the Padawans. Um, I would like to, oh, and of course, we're recording this towards the end of phase one or phase, phase, phase one. Wave. Yeah. Wave two what is wave? over. We're getting a few comics between now and wave, wave three. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, it's so confusing. Um, I think my final thoughts on Masters and Padawans is that I'm leaving phase one with questions. But I do, I, as critical as I've been, I love all these people. And the reason I have questions is because of the fact I want more. I want more of these people. I love them all. They all mean so much to me. Like I said, when I saw the Starlight on Fire poster, I was like, I can live without two of you. The rest of you are baby. Um, and I wouldn't be critical if I didn't love it. Um, because it gets that strong of reaction to me. And I do think there are some some weird things, but as we talk about it, it's not weird for Star Wars because there's always been weird Master and Padawan dynamics. I mean, they had a 12-hour ride with Obi-Wan and the Millennial Falcon, and they named a whole kid after him. So, I mean, there's always weird things in Star Wars, so it wouldn't it wouldn't be good storytelling if there wasn't weird things. And it wouldn't be good storytelling if we weren't invested. And the fact that I just spent the last almost two hours talking about these people means it's good storytelling because I want more of it. I want more of these people. I want to know more about their lives. Monthly comics are not enough for me. Waiting months in between is not enough for me because I love them all so much. Um, and the want and urge to see them is so great and i i think they're all wonderful beautiful characters who should just go to ikea and we should just bubble wrap them and they're all gonna be fine yeah. <laughs> it's fine i i'm actually happy that we're gonna get a couple brevity issues with like the padawan rumble and the bake-off like that's that's nice <laughs> but, nice little levity in between all the pain it, it is but i do feel like these stories, um, I, I said it. I, I I do feel like if you're missing a chunk of it, the fact that it's all the main story is also still a issue because I don't know how someone's gonna react if they go from Light of the Jedi, Rising Storm into Midnight Horizon. They're not gonna know who Wraith and Comac are. <laughs> like, what if they yeah. skipped some of those books? And so, I. I, I, I like it and I love it and I think these are very interesting characters and I like seeing the freedom and the variety of characters. I think that's the strength of the storytelling. I think the weaknesses is the mediums that they they exist in. Okay. I'm word vomiting now. You're, no, what are I, you? It's all good stuff. So, so what are your final thoughts on Masters and Padawans in the High Republic? I want more of the Masters. Got a lot of the Padawans. Yeah. But it, the thing I think with any parent-child relationship with any mentor-student relationship is, especially if you're raising the student, the person your student ends up being is greatly informed by who you are as a person for better or worse. 
if they wind up being exactly like you, like Bernestra is with Stellan, or if they wind up being nothing like you, either either way, it is informed by who who is doing the raising. So I wish we had more of a sense of who the masters were so that we get a better idea of where their Padawans are going and what they're going to be like. Because I do think we are going to follow them across the generations going forward. So yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, that was my wish. And I hope, I hope we get it. Cause like we haven't finished phase one yet. So we're like sitting here, you know, two movies into a trilogy. So we don't, we don't know. It could revenge of the Sith. It could rise of Skywalker. We have no idea. It's not going to do that. I'm sorry. I said that I take it back, but I, if we, if we, and of course, again, and I made this earlier, the differences between mediums, if we look at waves as in like, phases of a TV, like a season of a TV show, like we're two seasons in and how the characters are spread out. And sometimes it's hard to tell who is the most, and and this is the kind of the fault of having so many main characters. Um, But yeah, I totally agree with how you feel about masters. As you were talking, I actually, I, I again thought of Tenzin from legend of Korra and his importance in Korra's story. She, it's a young adult medium. It's a young adult story. But Tenzin, we meet his family, we meet his kids, we learn about how Aang, his father, treated him differently from his brother and sister and the resentment that they had towards him. And it's all in the story of Korra's story. And that's That's important important. for Korra. Because he's he's teaching Korra, and the, the previous avatar was his father, so like that's going to reflect on how he teaches Korra. And so, like, adults do play such a big, important story, especially in white, young, like, young adults. I... I feel like Into the Dark is the best of the young adult ones. I, I feel like that has such a nice balance between the adults and the kids. Because um, there there's only one kid and three adults. And it does a good job of balancing that. and Because it's still very much wreath story. But And the adult books do a good job balancing between the adults and Belle. Because it's mainly adults, but Belle's the kid. And... Yeah. So yeah, I totally agree with you, and I, I feel like some really hit the mark, and I feel like some, like the High Republic Adventures, are just missing the mark at points. Well, they might. Well, here's hoping they come back around. Maybe it'll. What I think it's going to happen after this phase is I think it's going to get pared down a bit. Unfortunately, we're going to lose people, so I think it's going to be like. Do you think down. we're going to have all new writers in phase two? I don't think so. So. Hope, can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Uh, you can actually find me writing for the Geeky Waffle. Um, I'm currently doing Amphibia reviews, but I also was doing Owl House reviews before, and I've written other stuff like me and Arzu teamed up on a Visions review. Um, I have a Star Wars podcast called Jagas and Jedi, where we have done all of Clone Wars, Rebels, and we just wrapped up, we're wrapping up Resistance currently. We're going to do three episodes of Visions, and we're going to get into our first bout of live action starting Mandalorian in the new year. And I also have an animation podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, where we're currently wrapping up Gravity Falls, and then we're going to be tackling Avatar next. And I make my friend Chris watch my favorite cartoons, and he's never seen Gravity Falls or Avatar, so that was him going through Avatar- Gravity Falls was a lot of fun, and he's really geared up for Avatar, so. Avatar is so good. I know. Oh, he's so excited. <laughs> I just have to edit it. <laughs> Editing is my, my, I, is my Achilles hill, hill of podcasting. Editing. Okay. But Arzu, where can people find you? 
All right. So for Space Waffles specific updates, as well as my own stuff, you can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. Otherwise, you can find the Geeky Waffle at Geeky underscore Waffle on Twitter. We are The Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And our website, The Geeky Waffle, which has all our book reviews, TV reviews, recaps, blog posts, all that fun stuff. And we are also on Patreon, patreon.com slash The Geeky Waffle. So thank you. I guess I I should say you can also find me at Hope Molinax on Twitter. (laughs) Yes, you can also find Hope. Hope Molinax on Twitter. This is all going to be down in the show notes anyway. Yeah, and if if you want to hear me like... um, because I'm like Arthur, I have no, I, I am not afraid to share. I also have a <laughs> Twitter where I share. I've been writing a High Republic fan fiction called Fire and Thread, and it's about Loden and Bell and all their friends and their adventures. And yes, Kilmek and Sai are partner. For the record, I'm not afraid. I'm just very aware that I am a woman who wants to write for IP, and the double standard is real. Wonder, I will be much more open about this in the future when they can't touch me. Yeah, so. But- yeah, but uh, ours is my my lovely beta, and she's great. And if you like, fantastic. yeah, if you're properly and, motivated, you can find me on Ao3. But yeah, just go to time. my go to my page, and you can easily find ours because <laughs> we're linked. All right, so thank you all so much for listening. Let Woo-woo! the masters and padawans be happy, and may the waffles be with you. And let Sai and Comet kiss. <laughs> Goodbye.